Hi, welcome to another edition of What's the Story? This is Cindy Ross, part two, breaking all the rules. Seriously, I think she's done that since she's 24. Yeah, let's good my parents are dead. <laughs> well, no, wait a minute. You bring up your parents. What did they say when you were 24 and took off and hiked the Appalachian Trail? They didn't like it. They didn't like it. They didn't like the fact that I hunted. They didn't like the fact that I was a life-drawing model, and I was I, I decided to draw to model nude in art school because I was in art school, and 25 kids were sitting there wanting to draw, and the model didn't show up. So either we all went home, or I said, okay, I'll model, and I'll make money so that I could buy art books or whatever. So they didn't like that. They didn't like the fact that I hiked the trail. My parents... Who have both been dead for a long time. They died when they were 56, 57. Um, didn't support my lifestyle, but they loved me. And so it was like, okay, I don't really believe in this, but uh, we're here to support you and love you. It's like love you no matter what. Right. But okay. they weren't happy about a lot of the things I did. But they loved you, and then that was enough to calm the heart. So then you had kids, and you broke all the rules again. Because you took these kids, uh, we learned last time. Well, I never heard of a rule say that you weren't. (laughs) (laughs) You you don't know what a rule is, you can't break it, right? (laughs) All right, let's say the the typical, the norm. We won't say rules, the norm. I have problems with that, right. But, okay, the norm is, you know, I don't know, you raise your kids, you put them in preschool, you send them to kindergarten, you teach them how to play nice with other kids and and learn their colors and go through 12 grades of school. You did none of that. You raised them by hiking across the country. With them, and then you did. We have a we have a microphone. We'll just we'll just fix this while we're talking. Um, and and then you did homeschooling really before it was a thing like it is now. So, how did the kids react to that? Did they want to go to school? Did they fight you on that? Every day they asked me not to go to school. We homeschooled till Sierra was eight, which is the year you have to, the age you have to fill out an affidavit and start to keep track of your hours, uh, according to the Pennsylvania homeschoolers law. And so then we homeschooled till she was eight. Then they went to public school, Blue Mountain, for seven years because I had too many books to write. And then every eight to 15, that's their elementary years. They're in public school. Bryce, Bryce left in middle school to come home. And so finally they begged me and did not want to stay. And finally I said, okay, but you have to teach yourself. I'm not sitting there. I'm not learning algebra. How does one teach themselves? Well, you could, you know, how do you learn? I mean, they learn ever since they're born. They, they, know, they know how to learn. You don't have to teach kids how to learn or to want to learn. And they know what they're interested in. And when they're younger, they're interested in almost anything that kind of comes into their lives. But there's ways, there's books. I mean, you can go to your public school and they, they give you all your texts if you want to use text, but you don't have to use text. You can do, we did what was called experiential learning. They learned by experience. Mm-hmm. So we went out into the world. We went to living history uh, performances at national parks. We went to New York State and did a whole series on women's suffrage and the Underground Railroad for history. So your, your homeschooling was field trips. Yeah, pretty much. No textbooks. They had some. Literature and math. What do you say? I mean, at some point, kids don't like school. And they come home, I don't want to go to school. I don't want to go back there. Don't make me. And, you know, mom and dad make them. Oh, you have to do this. And maybe the kid really doesn't want to. I've always thought that would be a little daunting to be their, their parent and their teacher. Well, I was nervous at first. I was afraid I was going to lose my life, and I wouldn't have five seconds to myself. Did you? No. 
And what happens is, is that, number one, they teach themselves, just like kids will play with themselves. They don't need to be entertained by mom and dad. They can figure it out. They can give them the freedom and the time to dream and plan and make things and stuff like that. My kids grow up without a television, too. They've never, never. watched television at home. Do you have electricity no. in your house? Yeah. Generator? Yeah, but we have we don't have central heat. We all, we we cut our own firewood. We there's a lot of things we don't have that makes us look like we have a voluntary simplicity lifestyle. But then my husband reminds me about my carbon footprint with flying. With flying. <laughs> <laughs> so no matter, this is a little bit off the beaten path. But yeah. you've built your own home. You grow your own food. You heat your house with the wood on your land. It's a very different lifestyle than say all the kids' we, friends at school. Right. How did that work? Were they teased? Were they judged? No. Uh, Why didn't the, they want to go to school, I guess? They, they were bored. Oh. Pretty simple. They were bored. And they knew there was this whole big world out there, and which I took them to anyway. They missed 70 days of school a year. In fact, it was funny. Like, you know, you're allowed five field trip days. Well, the first 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 week of school, <laughs> we, we used up our first five. In fact, they missed the first month of school every year that they were in school because all the other kids are in school. Isn't that hard for them? It was hard for them. To go back to school and make friends and they're not there. And my daughter had a hard time because the girls decided that they wouldn't talk to her anymore. So she had a little bit of an issue with that. Actually, it was a big issue. And that's finally what I de- when I decided, okay, you don't have to go, but you have to teach yourself and I'll be your facilitator. Peer pressure is a big thing and it can affect your whole life depending on what you go through as a youngster. How did that affect your children? Well, um, it, it really impacted Sierra. Um, and so um, she got even an, an eating disorder from that, which I kind of, when I, I came, I realized what was happening before it got serious. So we started going to counselors. I alerted the school and on and on and on. And then I, I finally looked at, okay, why aren't you happy? What's happening? And so that, when I finally said, okay, I'll take you out of school, and people, people did ridicule us, and they said that we're, we were, like, avoiding the problem, and it was like, I don't think so. I think that she will, she will thrive once she leaves that kind of environment where she's not accepted because she's different. And that's exactly what happened. Really? And she um, started her own student conservation association and, and brought in students of her own age that, that went to public school, and they put on... 40 trips where they did uh, tree planting and river cleanups and stuff like that. And she just kept going on and on and winning more scholarships and, and things like that to the point where now she's in grad school and won the National Science Foundation grant. She, she studies water issues around the planet, particularly oh, in, we the, need her. In, the, in the Himalayas. So actually she's down, she's down in the Carolinas right now uh, doing research, but she's a, a grad student at Boulder. It sounds like she stepped into her own power. Well, it was really interesting, though, because she thought she was going to be a writer, too, Mm -hmm. um, because communicating has always been important to both my kids because they had to edit all my stuff. Once they came home from school, they had to edit all. And I write their English class? Part of it, but I I write 50, I get 50 stories a year published, so they they learn how to edit and write. And when Sarah went to college, she had 24 published pieces in magazines as a 17-year-old, so... But they got really good at writing. But then she started realizing, like, okay, I can't separate the land, the water, the animals, you know, the culture. It's all together. So if, if so, I need to look at all these issues. So that's why she 
went into anthropology and geography. She'll always be a writer, but she realized that there's so much work that needs to be done. And since she's seen the world and knows how to communicate, that's where she went off to. Was there anything they brought up and they wanted to study or do that that you were affronted by or went, wait a minute, or I don't know? Well, my son wanted to be a hip-hop hip hop star. And he was always pretty a big boy, and he would do his like head spins on his masonite, like in the hallway, and I would have these images of you know him breaking his neck and me wiping his drool and diapering him at you know 17 years old but and I said you know just just because you want to be a so he said you know maybe I could be we could go to dance school or music school because he had like he had a keyboard and he would and so we went to talk to some of the art schools because he's an amazing artist which is what he does now and it's like okay if you wanted to be in go into dance you you need to take ballet all your life not not learning how to pop and lock. That's not enough. And it's and, and in music too. You know, just because you like to make make your songs doesn't mean that you don't have a whole life of, of music theory that you right. need. So then right. he said, okay, probably art. And so he graduated from Tyler School of Art at Temple uh, with the high, highest honors in illustration. And now he's working as a freelancer, creating mostly beer labels for craft beers that he's designing and yeah. magazines too. So they found their living doing something they love, which is a gift that you've given them, by letting them learn what they want. That's the whole key. Is there any place you've taken them in all your travels that was a little scary? Maybe, maybe there was strife in that particular country or... Um, international relations weren't where they should be, and you found yourself in the middle of that? Well, I just took my son to Turkey for his graduation from college present because for one of his illustration classes, he designed a travel log to Istanbul. So he did all this research and made all these beautiful watercolor paintings of the Bosphorus Strait and the Blue Mosque. And so I wanted to take him someplace special to celebrate and graduate. And so I looked, and it was like 700 bucks to go to Turkey. And I go, do you want to go see all the things that you illustrated so then people said oh i don't know if i'd go to turkey well this was before it was i mean isis was starting to have the syrian it started but not that bad and i have a nephew who's who works for the for the state department and he said aunt cindy it's fine just you know stay where tourists are we went to istanbul and a place called cappadocia where we went hiking in these gorgeous crazy mountains with all this history and he said in fact I'm going to come with you and visit so so it was one of those border and it was very funny I wrote this blog because everyone kept saying oh the people the people and very quickly I met this wonderful old like babushka at the at the bus station she's looking at me and she goes you know, is that your husband? I go, no, that's my son. Then there's this little Chinese girl standing there. She goes, is that your daughter? I go, no, that's not my daughter. It could be my daughter. I'd have to have two husbands, but no. So she's like looking at me, trying to understand what this American mother's doing with her, her son. We get on the bus. The bus is packed solid. And and she's got, she has a seat and I don't. And she looks at me when I walk by and she goes like this. She wants me to sit on her lap. And she's like, I don't, I couldn't tell how old she was because she had, you know, her headscarf on. And I said to Bryce, so, so we're supposed to be afraid of these people. I'm supposed to be afraid of that woman who wants me to sit on her lap because I don't have a seat. And I go, you know, unless you leave your comfort zone of America and go see really what the rest of the world is like, you, you can just be afraid forever and just stay in your closet and think that you, you, you can't go 90% of the places in the world that we really can go. Many of us haven't, and that's experiential living. So thanks for sharing these experiences with us. What is your blog, by the way? We can hear more. Cindy Ross Traveler. Cindy Ross Traveler. And, has, and the subtitle is, Has a Hard Time Staying Home. 
my husband came up with that. <laughs> well, I'm glad you came out of the house and visited us. Thank you so much. You're helping veterans right now. We'll hear more about that when one of your through hikers comes through, right? Okay, yeah. In about a month. There you go. Want to know more about who's doing what in Berks County? Check out the stories on thepeoplechronicles.com. These community stories are made possible in part by BCTV, Susie Ray Design, Queen City Family Restaurant, Lamar Advertising, Heidelberg Family Restaurant, Reading Air, Lions and Hole, Peanut Bar, and Kutztown University.